It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey guys, welcome to the Tapping Go. My name is Matt. My name is Freddie. Each week we bring you your rugby fix with interviews with past and present rugby professionals and we get their views on the latest sporting issues. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Tapping Go today. Today we're very fortunate to be joined by Rugby United New York's fullback, Troy Lockyer. Troy, how are you doing today? Yeah, very good, thank you. Thank you for having me. No, thanks so much for joining us. So I think we'll might as well start right at the beginning. So obviously you grew up in England, went to school in England and you were playing academy rugby. So while you go to school, and you were playing for Wasps, I think. Yeah. You played against Alex and Sam Underhill, I think. Back then, yeah, yeah. Then that, did you know he was going to be as good as he was today? Um, well, it's funny because I like, like uh, distinctly remember like everyone talking about this guy before we played them. I was like, oh, they have this, they have this flanker who's like unbelievable. Um, I remember getting off the bus and like we were warming up on the field beforehand, and we saw him. And it was just like an absolute tank. Like I swear, he was that like the size he is now when he was like 16 years old. Um, and yeah, he was pretty good in that game. And I think you kind of just see that some of those guys and he just had so much talent um, and there was kind of that hype around him. So, I mean, obviously didn't know how good he was going to be, but definitely ha- had a feeling that he was going to go somewhere. Um, and yeah, he's uh, he's doing all right now. So <laughs> Obviously, you were well, you were in the academy. You think, how come you took the change of tact and decided you wanted to go to America when you're doing so well within the England, like the grass you've been building up in there? Um, I think just like... I was always, like, I mean, I've loved my rugby and obviously still do, um, but I was always, like, very, like, conscious that, you know, rugby's not a long-time thing. Um, and I love my rugby, but I also have a lot of other things that I enjoy in my life. Um, and I felt just America kind of offered a cool opportunity where I could go to university, get a degree, um, kind of experience a new part of the world, you know, be in California, um, and then also play good rugby and then kind of see see where it go from there. Um, so I kind of just felt like it had a lot more... Um, yeah, a lot more opportunities for me. Um, and I think I was at Wasps and I was enjoying my rugby, but I felt like it almost like I'd hit a bit of a wall, like with, with regards to enjoying it. And I didn't see myself actually staying at Wasps like long term. Um, so I felt like this going to America kind of, you know, just yeah, kind of offered a, yeah, a new opportunity for me and kind of got me really excited about it and got me, yeah, yeah. I kind of found that love for the game again. 
Of course. And so you went to Cal Berkeley, which um, is known as arguably being the best rugby school in America. It's sort of, there's a stat where like in that 30-man squad in the 2011 Rugby World Cup, seven were the Cal alums. What, what was the culture like there? So what made it so good? Uh, I think it's just got like, it's, it's kind of just got such a long history there within the university. It was actually the first uh, sport on campus. Um, so it's kind of got a really deep rooted um, kind of position in in America, in the American university, which is kind of rare in a lot of, a lot of American universities. I don't think there's anywhere else in the country that has that kind of establishment there. Um, and I think just the culture is awesome because you have people from all over the world. Like, you know, there's guys from England, guys from New Zealand, from Australia, um hong kong like just all from all over the world and i think that everyone just comes together with kind of the similar kind of outlook on life like they want to go and play good rugby but also kind of you know embrace the american culture and the american university culture so it kind of yeah it creates a really cool environment and it's one that i was so grateful to be part of and you spoke about previously about sort of being the english kids within the rugby in america at berkeley can you sort of go a bit further on that and sort of say like what were you like singled out for being from England, like the home of rugby? Sort of, were you like the big prospect? Uh, I, I mean, I don't think I was like considered. I mean, there's kind of, I mean, so in my year, it was uh, there's a few English boys. It was the three of us. Um, so I guess there's kind of honestly a bit of talk about the guys who come over from like the English playing nations. Um, but I think they've had so many English people come from years before and stuff. There's not really any special hype. I or there wasn't any special hype about me. Um, it was just kind of, you know, it's just pretty interesting because I'd never really been to America before. So it's quite coming into American culture as an English person is just quite an interesting thing. Um, I'm sure as, as, you, as you probably understand, Matt, um, like they just have a bit of more of a fascination about you. So it's kind of more in like general culture that I found interesting being like an English person. And how, how did the sort of rugby change? Because obviously, Cal, you play on an AstroTurf. It's sunny all the time. So I guess compared to England, where you're playing on grass most time and it's wet weather, did the style of rugby change a lot? Yeah, it's like completely different. I mean, I'm sure you guys know, like in England, like you literally just dream of like having a Saturday that's sunny weather. Like I always remember like the first month of season, like in September would always be really nice. It'd be like where we played our nicest rugby. And then as it got into like October, November would just be like, especially when you're playing fullback, it would just be so miserable because it's just muddy, rainy and awful. Um, so, yeah, going to California and you, you can just play such a nice brand of rugby because it's, as you said, nice every every day. So that was awesome. You know, like I love, you know, playing exciting brand of rugby. So, yeah, that was awesome. Um, I think also playing sevens as well in that weather as well was just awesome because like whenever you're in England, you play in Roslyn Park or whatever, it tends to always be bad weather. And you actually never really get to play that nice of a sevens game. Um, so, yeah, just being able to play on a fast field um, with good conditions just yeah, helps uh, helps people like me, that's for sure. <laughs> Nothing quite like a nice wet Thursday afternoon on the field, though. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, was there anything in particular that you noticed about when you went to Berkeley about, like, sort of change, sort of looking away from rugby more as, like, in the college sort of way that you your life sort of differed? Does that make sense? Um, yeah, I think just like, I think I got a bit of appreciation for like kind of my, my like passions and stuff outside of rugby. Um, so I had, I had uh, my first two years at university, I actually got there and had two like year long injuries. So I basically didn't, I played like one match in two years. Um, so I kind of got out there with obviously all this excitement and all this kind of like, you know, 
yeah, excitement to play and, you know, just couldn't wait for the opportunity. And I got there and then had these two injuries, which basically meant I didn't, didn't was on the sideline for two years. Um, so it kind of made me really like focus on the things that I enjoyed outside of rugby because you never know what's around the corner. Um, so I think that like I was really thankful for and actually like I always say this to people. I think honestly those injuries were awful, but they couldn't have happened in a better place. Um, and yeah, so I think yeah, just it's, it's so important I think in life to find things outside of you know have many things that you'll um, you enjoy and you, you like doing because you never know what's around the corner. So yeah, that's probably one of the things I learned. Yeah, but Sorry, mate, you go. Those injuries must have had like a large mental toll on you, especially as like coming um, with the not purpose, but like so the sort of idea of wanting to play rugby and having it as one of your primary goals. How, how did that sort of affect you so mentally? Yeah, I think honestly, like, when, I, when I think back of it and, you know, during that time, it was definitely probably more of a mental battle really than a physical battle. Like, you know, obviously there's the rehab and, you know, coming back physically, there's all that stuff, which is obviously really hard. But as you said, the mental toll is kind of the hardest part of it. And I think that's the thing that takes the longest to recover from as well, especially with like ACLs, because it's also like the confidence of you being able to do, you know, move the way that you used to move and stuff like that. Um, I think it's just, you gotta just, you just gotta stay positive and you kind of just gotta think about all the hard work that you put in and all the, all the rehab or all, all that stuff is, and all the work with the physios, all those things, you've just gotta have confidence that when you do come back, you've done everything you can to get you in the right position and to be honest that's all you can really rely on and then you just kind of go from there and just slowly build it up um but yeah no it was it was definitely a mental battle and um i think honestly i'm probably mentally stronger now because of it than i was before so one thing we briefly mentioned earlier is sort of the difference between england and america the one thing i find crazy is the fact that if you're going for on a Saturday to go play rugby, you fly potentially across the country like so far. Was that something that took almost a bit of an adjustment in sort of your preparation for games and stuff? The fact that you yeah, do so yeah. much traveling. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, like you know, as you said, like in England, like our, our the worst away game would probably be what like a three four hour drive. Um, but like you know, we played in New York or whatever from California, so it's a six hour drive, a six hour flight. Um, and I think that's also something that was so cool about it. Like it was so cool to being able to go to a new state, new city, um, and be able to see another part of the country. Um, but yeah, no, it definitely affects your prep and stuff. And I think now, especially playing in this league, um, like the travel is is such a big part of actually being able to perform well because you know we go, we fly. Say we're playing on a Saturday, we fly poten- potentially six hours on a Friday, and then we finish a game, and then we're on a flight again six hours after. So it's it's such a long time to be in the air and like, you know, to make sure you don't feel rough on the Saturday, make sure you recover well is such an important part of the game so you can then perform the next week. Um, so that's definitely something that I'm, I think, grateful for that I had at university because I was able to kind of learn a bit about that um, and experience it. Whereas I think a lot of guys maybe in England and stuff who haven't really experienced those long flights for travel probably find it a bit harder. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a tough part, but also just, I think, an awesome part about playing in America. Yeah, and it's incredible because I guess you don't really appreciate it unless you live in America, but each state is so different. As yeah. in sort of they're almost completely different countries, like the East Coast and West Coast, and never mind sort of everything in between, which is um, culturally fascinating. But I guess this is a good segue to move on to sort of your MLR career at the moment. So I guess when you first joined Cal, there was the... So the MLR wasn't um, formed then. And when you moved to Cal, were, were there sort of... Did you want to play professionally in America after? Was that always something that you wanted to do or something you just picked up there? Um, so it's been my dream my whole life to play professionally. Um, 
And I think my goal kind of always has been just to see how good I can be as a rugby player. Um, so when I got to America, as you said, there was no league. I mean, there was the initial like pro rugby league, which was like a bit of a shambles. Um, so I didn't really have any aspirations to play in that. But to be honest, I was just just gonna was kind of hoping just to do my time at Berkeley, kind of you know just play as well as I could, see, and kind of see where those four years would end up. Um, and if I came out of that that's those four years, you know, thinking that I could pursue professional rugby, then for me that was me going back to England or wherever because that's where all 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 I knew professional rugby wise. Um, but then when the MLR cropped up, like my, I think it was my third year or second year it started, um, and then just kind of grew and grew year to year. Um, then when I graduated or was near graduation, was kind of thinking actually like, you know, I love living in America. I kind of want to live here long term. Um, like this is a becoming a legitimate competition. Um, and I think it could be a really good place for me to develop as a rugby player and kind of be a young person in. Um, so yeah, kind of spoke to some teams and kind of yes, yeah, so obviously managed to find find my feet in New York. So on that note, sort of talks through the process from what finishing at Berkeley and into the MLR. Sort of yeah, how so did you I, go about their approach you or did you have to go out and approach them and sort of try and Oh find yeah, so them? I um I was actually in so I graduated in like in like the summer, like May, May, June time, um, of twenty nineteen. And kind of the months previous to that was talking to a few MLR teams, um, a few interests, like no like official contracts offered or anything like that, just kind of talk, seeing, seeing how I felt and things like that. Um, and then I graduated and then I played uh, USA All-Americans, which is like a basically USA under-23s. So I did that. We had a camp in uh, Colorado, which is where the USA first team were as well, and they were doing their World Cup prep. So we were training there and we had a training session with the USA team. And their uh, backs coach, Greg McWilliams, was who was the head coach of New York as well. Um, he was he led the session and he he, was, he spoke to me after the session. He was like, "Oh, like what are your what are your plans?" And I was like, "To be honest, I'm just talking to a few teams, but just kind of working out what I want to do really." And he was like, "Well, just let me know because you know I'm potentially interested in you coming to New York." Um, so kind of months rolled by. I went back to England, still talking to teams. wasn't really sure where I was, what avenue I was going to go down. Um, and then I was playing for Richmond in London, kind of working out, maybe deciding if I could maybe see if I could sign for a champ team or a prem team in England. Um, and then New York messaged me, uh, well, Greg messaged me being like, thoughts on you on you coming out to New York. Um, and I was kind of sitting in uh, in London at my sister's house in Blackheath. And I was like, it was like cold and rainy. I was a bit like, you know what, like, I feel like I'm if I don't like go for this, like I'm gonna regret it. Like the opportunity to go and play rugby in New York, like I've never been there. Like it's surely just an like an unbelievable thing to do. So yeah, sorted that out, um, signed with them, um, and then joined joined last year. Um, yeah, and I absolutely loved it and then obviously re-signed. So yeah, back here at the moment. Obviously COVID would have thrown a spanner in the works of last season being cancelled. Was there a bit of worries that perhaps they hadn't seen enough of you last season to get re-signed that perhaps maybe that was just they've been ruined by yeah COVID. yeah yeah for sure so we managed to get i think five games we had in the season and i i managed to play three um so i had obviously thankfully we were able to play at least a few games um and yeah that was definitely a worry like i came straight back to england and i was back in england and i also needed a new visa so it was like a kind of a couple of things that was a bit like oh god like i hope you know, I hope I've, I've shown enough. Um, and also, like, with regards to other teams, other teams haven't really seen that much of me as well. So if New York weren't that interested, then I was just like, oh, I wonder if any other teams would be interested as well. But thankfully, 
I guess New York had seen enough, so um, we're able to we were able to sort it out. Um, but yeah, that was definitely a bit of a bit of a worry. I guess one player you had the pleasure of playing with in New York was Bastero, which is such a global name in the world of rugby. What was he like, I guess, in training? Um, yeah, he was an absolute nuisance. Like he was like never wanted to be in front of him. That's for sure. He was running down your channel. You'd uh, try and get away from him. Um, but no, he's just yeah, as you said, like he's you know obviously an unbelievable player. I think he's just what I found with him is just how athletic he is as well. Like I mean, like for someone that size to move so well um, and obviously be so skillful as well was something I've never really seen before. Um, but yeah, like have a few memories of him uh, tackling, tackling me in training and stuff like that, which uh, he basically just like swallow you off. Like it was, he was so strong, it was ridiculous. But no, nah, it was such a cool experience. Um, shame we didn't get longer with him. But um, yeah, no, it was awesome to just kind of be, able, be around someone like that and learn from them and stuff. What was he like as a character off the pitch? What's his? Um, honestly, like I, I got on really well with him. Um, I think I think he pretty he's, he does, he's pretty French. I think in in a lot of ways, like um, like he you know it was pretty different like uh, scenario for him to come into. Like you know he's obviously come from Toulon where everything kind of is he's, he has everything he wants and whatever. Um, and you, you get treated like you know one of the best players in the world, which rightly so he should be. And you come to the MLR, which is a brand new league. You know a lot of the teams. You know, don't have a lot of funding, or you know, they're you know they've never like a lot of the owners may have never really owned a rugby team before, so they're not the kind of the organisational stuff is kind of complicated. Um, so I think he found that transition quite hard. Um, I didn't think things ran quite as smoothly as they would have done probably in <laughs> at Toulon. Um, but no, like nothing bad to say. I mean, yeah, he's a yeah really nice guy, and yeah, it was a it was a pleasure to to meet him and play with him. And I guess we spoke about sort of his French career and Toulon and everything. Did he sort of bring sort of a, a bag of experience with him that he could sort of share out with other people and sort of help other, the, especially the new clubs and the new players in particular? Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, obviously he came, came in as a, we were initially as a centre and then they put him at, at, at number eight. Um, and I think he was kind of offered a lot of help, in, especially in the, for the backs and then as he was transitioning to the to the back row, like I think obviously was also offering some help or like also learning from other people because he was quite inexperienced there. Um, but yeah, I think as as you said, unfortunately we just didn't really get that much time with him, so it was hard to really say that much because I mean we won five games. Um, so, but um, yeah, no, it was cool. It was awesome experience. Obviously, Bathurst Weekly Bathurst is an example of this, but many are sort of looking at rugby in America and you see some of the players going out there, seeing it's sort of a home for the old generation. Where people are going to not their last hurrah, but their last ditch. What's your opinion? Do you think it's got the capacity to, as in your prime example, getting younger players over there who can really try and build their careers over there? Yeah, for sure. I I think that's what um I think that's what we're gonna see. I think now you already see it like in, in this year and the, like last year, like a lot of especially from New Zealand and stuff. I think you get a lot of now they're getting a lot of guys who maybe aren't quite making Super Rugby, um, who maybe playing my to ten like in half of the season or half of the year and then they come to the MLR and it's an opportunity for them to like really establish themselves and get good playing time um, and I think for me like personally like you know here I'm able to get you know at the moment getting more game time than I, I pro than I would if I was you know playing back in England um, and that's only going to help your rugby um, so I think it's just a really good opportunity for, yeah, for young players to come over kind of build build a bit of a, a brand for themselves like kind of make a name for themselves and Honestly, I, I, I do really see this league becoming the league where, like, it's not the league that's just a stepping stone for other leagues. Like, I actually think that this is going to be a league where people would, will want to be 
this is where they want to be you know um i think just like what in four years five years if it's if it's growth like it's a joke how much better it's got um so and i think that's just the the pull of coming and playing in america is just so strong and i think people will just want to latch onto that as much as possible and what what's the pull is it sort of the the country or is it sort of the opportunity or i think the country is a massive part i mean like i mean that's the big thing for me as well like i think a lot of the cities that you can play in the place you can play like i think are a lot more appealing um you know the chance to go and play in san diego or la or new york like there's you know that's just like massive world cities to be able to go and play rugby there is awesome and experience those places so i think that's a massive thing i think as we were talking earlier the opportunity to travel as well like you know in the season you get to travel around the country um so you're able to see so much of america in the season so that's probably a big pull um and i think also just the american market you know like americans like they do do sport well um and they generate, you know, they, they're just so passionate about sport. And I think if they're able to kind of bring that kind of American um, kind of new era of rugby to the world, which I think rugby needs at the moment, um, I think that'd be really cool and something that I think a lot of, especially young people would want to come out and play. Yeah. And I guess like we're starting to see more and more sort of rugby being on the TV in America and sort of more on sort of social media and everything. Do you think that rugby has the ability in America to break in? So you've got the big four sports in America of basketball, ice hockey, football and baseball. Do you think rugby has the potential to break into and perhaps displace one or become a big five? Or, oh, I mean, I think to be realistic, like to get into that kind of territory is probably like if that's going to happen will be a long, long way off. Um, but I think the beauty of it is you look at the MLS, which is comparatively like nowhere near those, but that's still very big in kind of like in sport terms. Um, so I'd almost try and put it as, I think realistically more try and get it to like an MLS kind of target. Um, so I don't think it's going to be, I, I wouldn't think it's going to be a sport that can knock those on because I think they're so, they're so deep rooted into like American culture. Um, but I think if you can make it something that, as you said, million, like, you know, at least millions and millions of people are watching, because that's still obviously a massive, <laughs> massive fan base. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think that's definitely something that could happen. Um, and I, I think it, it, it will happen. So I think it's just a matter of time. Looking at yours, just your sort of your season this year, I think you guys are sitting pretty, pretty much mid table, I think fifth and ladder. Um, how's, how, in your opinion, how's it gone? Has it gone plan? Has there been something which has been missing from the side, which is why you're not right at the top? Um, no, I think we've like I think we've I think we've got a seriously like talented team, and I think um, we've got a load of potential. And I think we just haven't really, you know, I think we've only had probably a couple games where we've really been able to show what we think, you know, what we want, we what we think we can do on a field. Um, I think we've had a lot of games that we've underperformed. Um, so I think probably at the moment we're probably a bit disappointed with our performances. Um, and I think we've got a lot of areas where we can grow. Um, and, you know, like we're you know, we're here to, to win the championship, like we're playing for the championship. So, and we think we've got the, you know, we've got the team to do that. Um, so, yeah, so I think, you know, there's a lot of things positive, but I think there's a lot of things we're working on. I think as the season goes on, I think you'll see probably a very different New York team as, as, than you're seeing right now. Um, it's just, uh, we had a few complications early on in the season. Like, unfortunately, I had coach had to go because his, his wife was unwell. Um, so we had, I think, a few things that just probably didn't help us too much in the short preseason and stuff like that. But obviously, no excuses. It's just, uh, yeah, just, I think, um, just just the way a lot of things happen. Yeah. And how, how would you explain the uh, New York brand of rugby? Sort of what style of rugby are you guys trying to play like? 
I think just honestly, we want to play a very expansive, like really exciting brand of rugby. Um, I think all of us just really want, and I think especially now, like with the way rugby's going in international level, like, you know, there's so much talk about kind of it's not being very exciting, like, you know, loads of kicking, like super defensive focused. Um, and I think, you know, obviously we're not saying we're not defensive focused or whatever, but I think we want to play like a brand style that we know that's entertaining, that people want to watch and that also that we want to play. Um, and I think at the moment, as you probably, I don't know if you, how many games you guys have seen, but each game of ours has probably been pretty different. Um, so I think we're probably still kind of discovering our, our identity. Um, but yeah, I think just the super exciting, but also like very brutal and quite like um, attritional game as well. Like I think kind of represent the New York City as well in that way, you know, it's pretty gritty and, and, and as you have been, it's like a pretty dark place sometimes. So we want to kind of represent that in, in, in that way as well. And looking forward to the future, obviously, finish this season, is it, are you going to look to stay in the US now for the majority of your career or is it potentially the US as a springboard to move somewhere else? Honestly, you haven't really got um, plans like either or. Um, I think at the moment, I'm just really happy playing my rugby here. Um, and I think if that continues, then I'll stay. Or if I, you know, start thinking that maybe a potential opportunity to go back to England and, and have a go in the premiership, like I think that obviously would also be awesome. I think, yeah, just uh, haven't really got a set a set plan or a set goal. Kind of just, yeah, as I said before, just trying to just see where if I think it's the best place I can play and the best place for me to get better, then um, that's kind of the, the decision I'm going to make. Um, but yeah, just really happy at the moment where I am. And I guess one thing that you do in your spare time is magic, which is awesome. Um, how, how did that sort of passion stem? Um, so it stemmed when I was at school. So when I was at like, when I was like 15, 16. Um, and it was, I think it was like, I think when I was really young, my mum said that I was always really keen on magic. Like I always used to love like when magicians came to parties and stuff. Like I don't really remember, but she said I always was fascinated with it. So I think I've always had this kind of like pull towards it. And then I had a friend come to stay with me like, when I was like 15, 16, and he'd learned a trick off YouTube. And I was just like, oh, that's sick. Like, that's so cool. You just learn on YouTube. Um, and I have quite an addictive personality. So I always like, I kind of, like when I start something, I want to, I don't want to stop until I get pretty good at it. Um, so yeah, I started learning some tricks, would show it to the family and stuff and, and enjoyed it. And then I'll just practice and practice and practice. And basically, yeah, years and years down the line, basically just started then becoming like a really big part of my life. It's kind of fallen off a bit kind of recently. Um, and I think I want to, I, you know, it's been a thing that I really want to bring back, especially during COVID, like I was working back on it. Um, it's obviously just quite hard now with, it's not really that many, well, I know events and stuff are opening back up, but um, kind of want to get back into kind of the actually performing to people and stuff again, because that's, you know, that's the most enjoyable part of it. Um, but yeah, as we were just talking about earlier, just the kind of finding stuff that you enjoy outside of, you know, rugby is things just really important, kind of keeps you sane. Um, and yeah, that's just, uh, yeah, just one of mine. Yeah, it's so good for mental health to be able to take that break away from intensive pressure sport. Exactly. What sort of tricks did you find range? What sort of tricks did you do? Uh, so I do there's a lot of like card tricks. Um, so I'm like I'm much I much prefer like close magic, close up magic. So you know like in small groups. So like if you're there's a party like going around small tables, what a, what like that, that kind of vibe, right? less than kind of big stage magic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's yeah like card tricks, things like that. Um, so yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, it's pretty fun. And why why is that? Sorry, as space to the, uh, the larger. I, I don't. I think just it's kind of. I love the interaction with people. Um, and I think like 
there's something about like when you're doing it right in front of someone's face like their your reactions even better because they're like you know how have i not seen what you've just done whereas on the stage i feel like there's more opportunity for you to hide things and you know you're away from the people so you're not really connecting with them quite as much um and i also just enjoyed the whole i was like massively into like david blaine and dynamo and so i used to love watching them like their street magic stuff so um yeah i used to go around with my mates with a camera and just like go to randoms on the street in london and stuff so that's quite funny well one question that we always ask all our guests is sort of your favorite moment in your career and your rugby career where that and it can stem from the first time playing rugby to the most recent so i guess what would yours be um i think my favorite like the happiest moment or like the kind of yeah the most real moment i've had was my last year at university our semi national national championship semi-finals uh which was against our, our rival saint mary's at saint mary's uh like absolutely like gorgeous day like absolutely rammed full of people and it's notorious because their fans are like like really really hate us so like just you know and then it's like 80 85 90 percent of their fans is their fans so like all against us we're down in the last minute I think we're down by like four points or whatever. And then in the fight, basically in the final play, we managed to work from our 22 to their try line and score um, to go to the final of the national championships. So yeah, my family, my my mum and my sister had come out to watch as well, um, all the way from England. So yeah, that was a pretty um, pretty special moment and probably yeah, probably the one I remember. <laughs> yeah, incredible. Yeah. Um, Troy, thank you so much for coming on, uh, giving up your afternoon it's been really fun for us and we hope you've enjoyed it as well and thank, thank you to everyone much. else as well for tuning in listening yeah lovely to meet you guys thank you so much for having me to the Tap and Go podcast. I'm John Hardy and I'm a Loose Heads ambassador, the mental health movement normalising the conversation in rugby. Head over to looseheads.co.uk and get 15% off at checkout now with code TAP and GO. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs>